this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm tired. <laughs> I had a rough night sleeping last night, but I am excited for worship. I'm excited for Sunday morning, just being here to, to worship with everybody and be in the presence of God. I feel like between worship and the message on Sunday morning, it kind of gets us ready to go for the week. And so we're gonna keep going. Um, the next song we're gonna sing is Freedom. We've sang this song often, and I just love this song, how it just speaks about freedom and how where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen.
for a moment.
Aleluia. like the unchangeable nature of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. there's a consistency in his ability to be victorious he doesn't change his strategy doesn't change he comes with the same level of power and authority God, would you uh, link up with two or three there and just uh, agree with one another in prayer here this morning? Be the body. Hallelujah.
To you we ascribe glory and honor. You alone. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. If you're joining us online, please uh, comment on our feed there and just let us know where you're joining us from. We are so glad you're joining us. I know we have several that are still recovering from some uh, different sicknesses. And, uh, Can I interrupt you? Oh, absolutely. Please. You do that so infrequently, so please do so. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the worship team. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I often thank them and let them know that I appreciate them through our little app that we have. But just publicly, I want to thank them, those that are here, those that are in the congregation, the computer, the sound, everybody that works with us. Um, I'm not going to be here next week. I'm going on vacation, and Willie won't be here either. So Tristan is going to be filling in. Woo! So I am just so thankful that, you know, I have people that can help out and lean on, and I just wanted to publicly say that I appreciate them. Yeah. They're all great, and they're wonderful, and I couldn't do any of this without any of them. So that's all. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All righty. Praise God. I love that we have talented people that can step in and step up at uh, various times. Praise God. All righty. How many of you uh, love a good test? Two of you. Three of you. All righty. All righty. Well, this is going to be great for the rest of you then. So... Um, I was uh, I was reading a story about a police uh, force, um, and they were, uh, uh, you know, they uh, they have to wear all the time um, bulletproof vests. You know, how many of you would love to have to wear those all the time? You know, you, you don't want to wear them until you need them, right? <laughs> until someone shoots you in the line of duty, and then you think, oh, I'm so thankful that I have this on. Um, but they, uh, they uh, have this practice of they put these bulletproof vests on a mannequin and they shoot the, the vest. Um, and then they have the rookies go up and they um, take the vest off and they look and, they, and it shows the rookie that these vests are protective, right? You, you want them, they, they want these rookies to realize the value of the vest, right? How important that is, you know. How many people realize that, you know, the youngest person, the most inexperienced person needs to realize the value of these items? You know, it's like our Bible. You know, we don't realize the value of a Bible and, and the knowledge that it contains until we need it in the midst of a Bible or in the midst of a moment of a storm, in the midst of a a challenging time. Um, but there comes a point in the testing, in the trial, um, that this, this um, they, 
they've, they've shot this, these vests so long, then they, they, they come to the rookie and says, okay, now it's time for you to put the vest on. <laughs> and, and many times, they, these rookies, um, they, they, they walk out. Um, they, they say, no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm unwilling to go there. I, I'm unwilling to let you shoot me with this vest on. You know, I, I'm, I'm willing to let you shoot the mannequin <laughs> and, and prove to me that this vest works, but I'm unwilling to, to put the vest on and let you shoot the vest. You know, but see, that's, that's the way we are as Christians. You know, it's okay for other people to trust and, and rely upon the Word of God. But for me, for me, no, I, I would rather it be you. See, we don't realize that Scripture talks about that we will be tested and tried. Um, today's message is, what does the testing reveal? What does the testing reveal? And my passage today is going to be a, a different passage, probably one that we haven't ever uh, utilized for this kind of a message. John chapter 6. And I'm continuing on with our series on becoming fishers of men. Uh, John chapter 6, picking up at verse number 1. Um, we're going to read through verse 14. It says this, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those uh, who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. <laughs> this he said to test him. Praise God, a good test. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was so much grass in the, the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. So in theory, we're talking around 15,000. Because if there were men of about 5,000, men and women and children could be in numbers of about 15,000. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. 
So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to understand the message today that you sent to the disciples. Father, there was a great multitude that was following Jesus. But Jesus was focused on teaching the disciples. Help us to understand the message that he came to bring to those that he was leading. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Today I'd like to share with you some insights, some thoughts regarding um, this passage, some background. But I'd also like to get to what I believe is the main focus of this passage. And, and, And I realize that For the majority of us, if not all of us, the main focus of this passage has typically been the feeding of the 5,000. And not that that is not a, a significant event that took place in this passage. But I, I believe as I began to read this, I, I think there was a more significant event that was taking place for us as the church. I believe the feeding of the 5,000 was important for those who don't know Jesus. Okay? Uh, For those who are lost, the feeding of the 5,000 was a a, a miraculous event to show Jesus' desire to reach the lost. But I think for those who are in the church, he wants to say something else to us today. So let me get into some of the the things as I was reading that I think was important for us to look at here. In, in, in John 6-2, the Greek was emphasizing that the multitudes that kept following Jesus indicated that this group was a consistently following Jesus group, that there was, there was indication that this was not just a, a one-time group following, okay? That this group was a regular, um, how many of you have ever heard of the Grateful Dead? Okay, I, I figured it would be an older group of some of you. Okay, when I lived out in um, Oregon, um, Oregon was a place known for the deadheads coming out there and um, congregating uh, on a regular basis. Um, and, and those were the followers of the Grateful Dead. And they would come out there regularly and actually they would pitch tent in people's yards without permission um, because the Grateful Dead regularly came through that area for years. Um, so these, the, the deadheads followed the Grateful Dead wherever they would tour. Um, and, 
and their, their practice is and was, and I don't know if they still follow them. I don't need to do the Grateful Dead. Are they still even around singing? I don't know. I'm, I'm out of that market, you know. Um, but anyways, when they were singing, you know, the Grateful, the Deadheads literally just, where they would follow them wherever they went, and they would pitch tents in people's yards. And people let them. Somehow, for some reason. Well, this group here, the, the Greek actually gives indication that there was a, a large crowd of people that regularly followed Jesus around. And from our passage, why did that happen? Because of the signs and they were wanting to watch him do miracles. <laughs> now, do you see stuff like that happen today? Yeah, yeah, it still happens. People go from revival to revival. They go from event to event. They go from from all. They want to see miraculous things happen. You know, Brownsville uh, to um, you know. Uh, Toronto blessing to wherever it was. I mean, people just, they were hungry for the miraculous. And, and I'm not saying it was right or wrong, okay? I'm not here pronouncing judgment on that. I'm just saying people are hungry for the miraculous. And our passage gives indication that this group, there was a group of people that regularly followed Jesus, because they wanted to see him do miraculous signs and wonders. There was a habitually following. And Jesus regularly healed the sick. It wasn't just a once in a while thing. Jesus regularly healed the sick. It just, it's what he did. Okay? Now, this miracle here that we're dealing with in John chapter 6 of Jesus feeding the, you know, the 5,000 is, is one of the miracles mentioned in all four Gospels. Okay? So, in, in John, actually, we actually have a few more details. Number one, we're, we're, we're told that this was at the time of Passover. We're given a few more details than the other Gospels. We're also given indication that, that this may be, uh, you know, uh, that there the, are uh, a bunch of Galatians that may be coming home for the Passover. So we have, we have an idea that this is a more significant group of gathering of, of believers or of people who have a, a more of a connection with the Jews. So, just some other just side facts. Those aren't necessarily going for the direction of the message today, just giving you a little extra details there. In verse 5, what we're being told here is that Jesus looked up and, and he sees the great multitude. And then, this is where it gets interesting. He looks to Philip. Now, Philip is from this area, we're told. And he says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? 
And, and I love six. And, and this is where I think the, the, the focus changes for me that this is really a portion that directs us towards the church, that this is for the disciples, that this is for us to prepare us that God is always doing something deeper for those that follow Christ. And we need to look beyond the miracle to see what is God actually trying to prepare us for. And he says, you know, verse 6 says, but he said to test him for he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus I, I, don't, I don't know if he are, I mean, yes, I mean, Jesus was God. We already know that. Did he know that there was a lad already present with the, the loaves and fish? Evidently, he had knowledge of it because he knew what he was going to do. He, he knew he was already going to be feeding these, these people because he says here he already knew what he was going to do. That's all we know is that he knew. But Philip, I love Philip's answer here, because Philip calculates this in a quick manner. <laughs> 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient. Now, to, to give us some knowledge here, um, 200 denarii is, uh, would have been six months worth of of income for them you know so Philip was able in a in a quick moment <laughs> to calculate looking at the crowd he was able to quickly calculate 200 denarii wouldn't even be enough to give each person a little see Jesus knew what miracle he was about to perform but wanted to use this opportunity to teach the disciples Jesus, for Jesus, this wasn't only about getting a job done. This wasn't just about feeding the multitude. It was about teaching his disciples along the way. We just want to get something done. You know? How many of you have just ever wanted God just to just do it? Okay? How many of you, your parents wanted to teach you something and you just wanted them to do it. Okay. Um, what did you learn from? Can you just do it? <laughs> can, can we bypass the lesson today? And you just get it done. You know, we're, we're frustrated because, you know, Jesus is seeking um, something deeper. And, and we just want to get to the point. And that's why a lot of times, you know, we go around the mountain a few more times, right? That's why a lot of times we get frustrated and we miss the lesson. It's because we're thinking in the natural. Philip is thinking in the natural. He's thinking, man, 200 denarii, we can't even, we can't even buy enough. Philip has already thought in the natural, and, and Jesus has, doesn't want 
Philip to focus in the natural. He wants him to go beyond that to the divine resources that are available. So we have, a pro- we have two problems at least here. First, they didn't have the natural resources. And even if they did have the natural resource, even if they did have six months worth of income available, they didn't have the ability to go to town and buy enough bread and get it back here. Now, if Philip would have been a man of great faith, if Philip would have been a man of great faith, as I was reading about this, I, saw, I found this example, and I thought this was great. He could have said this. Master, I don't know where the food is to feed this crowd, but you are greater than Moses, whom God used to feed a multitude every day in the wilderness. And God can certainly do a lesser work through a greater servant. Wouldn't that have been a great answer that Philip could have come up with? Or he could have said, um, you are greater than Elisha, whom God used to feed many sons of the prophets through little food. Or he could have said, what is more, the scripture said that man shall not live by bread alone, and you are great enough to fill this multitude from the words of your mouth. You know, there are so many things that Philip could have said. But what did he say? $200 or 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient. Philip's knowledge of the situation was, was, was accurate. But it was natural. It was it was. It was all present in his head. And, and that's where many of us are stuck. We're stuck here. I find that's where many days I am stuck right here. And, and that's where I, I spend so much time trying to figure out how to accomplish what God has placed before me, but I can't get out of my head. God doesn't want me to think in terms of what's in my head all the time. We often limit God the same way, looking for how God's work can be done in the very smallest way possible. And yet we know Scripture says His ways are higher than ours. We know His ways are higher, and yet we want to lower His ways... (laughs) to what we can come up with. How often have you been been confronted with a situation that is massive, life-changing, that you took a moment and said, I need to take the next 30 minutes to an hour and just spend in prayer. How many times have you done that? I mean, we say, let me take 30 seconds. Honestly. I mean, is 30 seconds going to be life-changing? What if you took the next 24 hours to spend in prayer regarding this major 
life-changing event. I, I remember uh, every time I go to buy a vehicle, and, and these car salesmen, they act like, well, this car probably won't be here tomorrow. And it's like, well, okay. I probably don't need it then. But I'm going to go home and pray about it. And that frustrates them. But for me personally, I feel the, the least I can do is pray about the decision to buy a car overnight. I feel if in a 24-hour period of time I am not at peace with something like buying a car, I shouldn't do it. See, I remember the, the first time I bought a car that I didn't spend any time buying it. And it was a lemon. And, and, and it broke down on me. And then I was stuck with a paperweight. Have any of you ever done that before? You, you bought something that broke down before you had it for a few weeks. And, and then it was worthless. See, when you're buying something like that, let's go deeper. Let's talk about a relationship. You know, I see people get in and out of relationships like it's buying a candy bar. You know, like it's buying a cheeseburger. Now, I, I will, I'll say actually, they spend more time deciding on their food because if you've ever gone to eat with some of these people they can't make a decision on what food they want to eat if you've ever taken a youth group you know to a, you know a restaurant to buy food it's like oh I don't know especially if you go and there are like five restaurants within walking distance it's like oh no what am I going to eat it's overwhelming. But when you're going to make a decision that's going to be the rest of your life. See, I remember the, the first real relationship I was ever in. This is, this is well before Pastor Nancy. It was the first. I, I had dated this young lady for like, you know, six months. I was my senior year in college, and I'm thinking, I am going to get all the way through Bible college, and, and I'm not going to get married. And I'm desperate. Have any of you ever been desperate thinking you're going to get, you know, I, I had remembered um, them telling me when I was a freshman, it was a ring by spring or your money back in Bible college. Now, and now see, I don't know your college. <laughs> Some of you are laughing. But see, in Bible college, in my small Bible college, it was three guys to every girl. There, there were more guys there than girls. We, we had, um, there were not many girls in our Bible college. And girls that came there, came there typically to find a guy. That's why they were there. You know, um, at that time. Now, it's different today. Girls coming to Bible college now, 
um, were co- are coming because they're coming to pursue ministry. But back then, I mean, they didn't have any they didn't have any issues telling you they came to find a husband. You know, um, but I'm you know I'd made it through all four years, and this was my first relationship that I'd had, and I so I mean I I really was not in love with this young lady. We were friends. She was from the East Coast. And so I thought, you know what? Hey, um, let's get engaged. It was a stupid decision. I bought a ring. We got engaged. We were engaged for a week. We both looked at each other and said, this is stupid. We don't like each other that much. We broke it off. We were still friends. But I had a, an engagement ring now that I'd spent money on that you can't get your money back from. But at least I was not engaged to someone that I was going to get married to that I really did not want to marry. And I am thankful that I didn't make that kind of decision. Because I didn't want to spend the rest of my life with someone that I, I didn't really love like that. See, there are things that we need to give great deals of consideration to. I was trying to figure out who made that sound, but it was... It was you continue to think about that, Aubrey. Jesus wanted to use a completely different approach to provide for the disciples, but we always want to limit God and how he approaches the situation. Philip was a matter-of-fact kind of person. I was a matter-of-fact kind of person, and I couldn't imagine that God could actually do it different. I was, I was doing it, I was thinking the way everybody else was. God has to provide a spouse the way everybody else was getting them. But God had a different plan. Now, God is always looking at teaching us something through the test and through the the challenges through every test that we're going through is a point of preparation. In my test going through that, if I would have given in, you know what, if I would have married that young lady, God would have held me to my decision. Even though it wasn't his desire for me, God would have held me to it. But because I was willing to say, God, okay, we were both willing to say, this is not what God had for us. We both learned from what God had, and we grew through it, and God brought us into what is best for him, what was best for us. See, God is teaching us, and he, if we will open up our eyes to, to see what is, he's trying to teach us, God is going to lead us into some path that is better for our best plan and path for our life. 
But we have to be willing to learn. Now, Philip is in a desperate situation here because he's thinking naturally. Who comes to help Philip? Andrew. And Andrew comes up and he says, Hey, I found this young lad. And what does he have? He has what? Five barley loaves and two fish. Now, can you tell me another time that, that Andrew comes through at a moment and, in, and introduces a significant person to Jesus in the crowd? Peter, his brother. <laughs> so, so Andrew brought, brought Peter into light at one moment. And now he's brought this young lad who has five barley loaves and two fish. Now I'm probably I'm I'm not I have no idea what is going through Andrew's mind. He's thinking five thousand men, fifteen thousand ish people, five pieces of bread and two fish. No idea, but hey, I'm going out on a limb here. Hey Jesus, look what we got here. It's a start, right? It's a beginning. He's willing to step out there. Did anybody else step forward with at least something? See, at least we have here, Andrew was looking. Andrew was looking. Now, we also know that Andrew brought Peter and we know how much, how beneficial Aunt Peter was to, to Jesus. So, we, who knows what was going through Andrew's mind at this point. You know, it's like, hey, Peter's done pretty good so far. This lad, he's got some, he's got a little bit here. Hey, Jesus, looky here. And, and we know that, that this was a moment. Jesus doesn't need a lot. He doesn't need much. In fact, God doesn't need any help, but he often deliberately restrains his work until he has our participation. <laughs> See, he, he, he often restrains his work until he has us get involved. He doesn't need anything. But he often withholds that next piece until we are willing to get involved. Remember, Jesus, the storm had come, and where was Jesus? He's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Now, the reality is, the presence of Jesus could have calm the storm before the, you know, the storm even needed to come. Jesus is a calming presence. But, the, and, and I believe the disciples had the ability to calm the storm without even waking Jesus. 
See, it frustrated Jesus that they didn't activate the faith that was already present. They woke him up to activate it. <laughs> so I, I, I look at this passage, and again, Jesus is trying to teach them. He's, he's, trying, to, he's trying to get them to understand that there is, there is present within them a power. An ability to lean upon the resources of heaven to accomplish so much more than what we ever give God opportunity. But we limit God. And why do we limit God? Because I believe we're stuck in our head. Now, have I filled in all your blanks? No? What have I left blank? A lot? What, what blanks have I left blank? One through seven? No, I didn't leave those blank. You did. Because we're not done with those. See, what I'd like you to help me with is to fill in one through seven. Because you're going to help me finish this message today. See, you thought I just left those blank because I didn't actually put them in there. But I left them blank because you're going to finish this sermon today. And Kate's going to be up there typing these out for you. And you're going to tell me and I'll tell Kate and she'll fill them in. And that way all of you can, you know. What else don't you have, Miss? Participation. Yeah. That's, I, um, I th- it didn't get up there, but participation is that last one, I think. So, what did the testing, or what did the testing reveal? So, Jesus said that this situation of feeding the 5,000 of the, of the, the, Five loaves, uh, two fish. This, this really, this time of the the people was a situation really to test the disciples. What did this test reveal in the lives of the disciples? A lack of faith. Is that what you said? Okay, so number one, a lack of faith. The, the, the test revealed a lack of faith is the, your first one, number. Number one, Kate, type in a lack of faith. For some. Yeah. And, and, and you're right, Pastor Nancy. Uh, Andrew was out looking. Fear to speak up, okay? Because we already know that only two of the disciples even were willing to say anything. Well, well, he, we only know Philip spoke up because Jesus asked him point blank. But we only know that Andrew actually spoke up because, you know, 
is the only one that actually stepped up to say anything without being called upon. World, what's that? Okay. That. Okay. Let, let's. Fear to speak up. That was the early. So the that the so help me to rephrase this. There. The difference between a natural and a spiritual worldview or perspective. Okay. A natural and a spiritual perspective. It revealed a natural and a spiritual perspective. Okay? Good. It revealed a natural versus a spiritual perspective. So number three, it revealed a, a natural versus a spiritual perspective. Good. You guys are coming up with some good stuff here. It revealed the need for cooperation. Mm-hmm. See, I love it when you guys help me preach, even when you don't realize it. See, now you're going to think every time I leave a bunch of blanks like that, you're going to start coming up with stuff during the whole message so you don't wait to the end. I'm going to some of you that haven't shared anything yet some of you guys are letting other people do all the work I'm going to start calling on some of you like Philip <laughs> look how that's right Miss Elaine <laughs> a willingness to be used okay yeah a willingness to be used We've, we've dealt with this throughout different, lots of different things. There, a lot of people don't want to be used. Yeah. Come prepared. Yeah. I mean, this little boy, this lad came with five loaves and two fish. Now, we don't know how many of the other 5,000 had anything, but nobody, we know this. We're not told that anybody else actually stepped up to share their food. But we do know that all of them ate. Ate their fill. But this little boy was willing to give all that he had. Admit that you don't really know. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes the most logical answer, it really, just because you know, like Philip's answer, being able to answer correctly is not necessarily the best answer. I run into that problem. You know what? Sometimes I can give you the most accurate answer, and it's not the best one. I can tell you how to answer a problem correctly, analytically, and I should have been quiet. That's seven of them. Do we have any more good ones? Because you can always add more. 
realize who Jesus really was. Yeah, what he could do. The need to provide for physical needs of people. Yeah. <laughs> How many of you probably thought, you know, like the disciples did other times, you know, um, hey, Jesus, send these people home because, you know, we can't feed them. <laughs> it's like, you know, that was their thought at other times. You know, Jesus, send these guys home. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we can't take care of them. Um, that you need to tell them. You need to tell them to go away now. You did a few miracles. You've healed a few people. Now say, "Hey, go home." Right? It's not our job to feed them. <laughs> We've done our part. Now, what did they do? Nothing. <laughs> Jesus did the healing. <laughs> they didn't do anything. Paul. In the Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so what they had done may have may have been um, what they could do in in the physical. See, Paul. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's good, Miss Kate. <laughs> oh. Yeah, what the uh, disciples had done prior to that may have been leaning on their, you know, what they could do in their own physical ability. Um, and now Jesus was wanting them to lean on their, the ability to lean on the spiritual resources of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, and, and we'll, we'll stop there because I think we could go for a long time. <laughs> but church, I, what I... What I want you to think about as you read these passages, and, 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 I, and I'll be honest with you, I have skipped this portion more times, you know, than I can think about because I, I've always focused on the feeding of the 5,000. The thing, you know, and I've skipped that this, you know, the whole thing of the thing, you know, testing of the disciples and, and Jesus and for some reason, my, my eye focused on that this week, and it's like, man, it's like, there, there are those moments, it's like, God, wow, how, how can you just miss something for, you know, so many years, and all of a sudden, it's like, 
God brings something new to you that's just always been there. And see, and I believe we're in a time of preparation. You know, this whole thing that we're going through right now in society with COVID and stuff, uh, it, is, it is for a time for the church for us to prepare. You know, it is for us to go deeper into our faith. You know, listen. I'm just going to be honest. I don't believe that the, the, the vaccine is anything to do with the mark of the beast and 666. My personal take on that is I don't believe it is anything on that. But here's what I do believe. It is a precursor. It, it is the, you know, this whole thing is, is setting the stage, you know, for, for what things are to come. Look, look at all the things that are going on with this, this whole process. You know, um, we have a mandate trying to get the entire world to adopt one thing, one process. And when you look at the mark of the beast and what it's going to be one day, it is the whole world adopting one thing, adopting one mark. So we have, we have a, we have a, a we have a, a trial run, setting the stage for what could be coming very soon. And so, church, I just want you to understand what we're seeing is setting the stage for what is coming down the road, preparing the way for things that are going to happen. You know, and and so. We just have to understand, you know, these things that are going on all around us, we have to learn and we have to prepare ourselves and go deeper into our faith. And we have to be so strong in our faith, whether, whatever side you are, I'm not here to tell you to get the vaccine or to not get the vaccine. I'm not telling you what to do on any of those things. What I'm telling you to do is that you need to know how, who you are in Christ. That you need to know how to stand in your faith and to give an answer for your faith at all times. That is something that you should be able to do whether you are 10 or 100. You need to know how to stand and give an answer for your faith. And so my challenge for you today is to not just casually read the Scriptures, but to, to go into the Word of God. And as Jeremiah says, Thy Word was found, and I did consume it, and Thy Word became to me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. That the Word of God would become to you something so much more than just a book on a shelf, but it would become to you the Word of God that enriches you and sustains you and strengthens you and becomes to you something that enlivens you and that strengthens you and it becomes part of who you are. So that in that day and hour when things begin to change in our world, 
which we know Scripture is talking about things changing down the road here and already are happening all around us. We are prepared. So I'm not here to cast fear. I'm here to instill boldness and courage through the Word of God that God's Word is, sit, is setting before us the ability to stand strong in our faith and, and for us to be able to understand that God has an awareness for all the events that are going to take place and we can know exactly what's going to happen and prepare. So, we're going to pray. And we're going to also get ready to receive our uh, morning tithes and offering. Um, if, if there is something in the message today that has challenged you uh, in an area, and you would like to explore uh, some of these topics deeper, and you'd like to talk to somebody, maybe... Um, Maybe an area of your salvation. You're, you're just not sure about your own salvation. And you'd like to talk to one of our leaders. Um, we'd love to talk with you about that. If you're watching online and you'd like to talk to one of us about that, um, there are uh, some of our leaders that we would love to sit down and talk with you uh, in detail about this. Um, your salvation is so important to us that we would love to have a conversation with you that you can explore the hope that is found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Please don't hesitate to, uh, after service, to come up and talk to myself or one of our leaders. Um, or to reach out to us online through our Facebook feed. You can instant message myself. Um, uh, you can reach out to our uh, messenger through our uh, pastor, you know, through our Facebook feed, uh, Instant Messenger. Um, and we'll gladly reach out to you and, and we'll talk to you about uh, these, uh, just going deeper into your faith. Wonder. But the most important thing is that you not just sit there and, and wonder about who you are in Christ when there is an opportunity for you to go deeper. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful that you are available, that you are present. And today I do thank you for opening your word to us and making it available to us to understand how we can go deeper into it. And Father, even as uh, John 6 made it aware to us that your word was presented to the disciples to test them, to challenge them, to cause them to go deeper into the truth of it. Father, I pray today that we would, we would prepare ourselves to go deeper into the truth of your word to prepare ourselves that the testing that is being done would cause us to prepare our hearts for the things that are coming in our lives, that we would be ready. Lord, I thank you for individuals like Andrew, who in the midst of a challenging situation immediately began to look for an opportunity for an answer. Lord, I thank you that uh, this young man, this lad, 
was willing to step forward and offer all that he had. Father, I pray for us as your followers today that we would be willing to offer what we have. That we would not lean on our physical resources, but on the resources of heaven that are available to us. That we would look beyond the things that we physically can see, but upon the, the resources that heaven has available to us to meet the needs, not just of those that we sit with, but on those that are sitting on the ground around us. That, that Father, you've placed us in community with, that we may have an opportunity to meet their needs as well. Father, I know that this, there is something bigger that you are calling us to that we cannot fully see yet. We cannot fully understand yet. But I, I believe the picture is starting to come into light. And so I pray that as you continue to unfold this process, that you would begin to um, give clarity to each one for that which you're getting ready to do in our lives. And so I thank you for that. I pray um, for those that are in the process of exploring their faith, their relationship with you, that you would help them to reach out and to talk with our leaders, um, that we may help them to go deeper into a relationship with you. And uh, we just thank you. Uh, Father, I also pray for our offering today. I pray for each one as they... Um, as they give, that your blessing would be upon them in their giving. Uh, thank you for their faithfulness, Father. And uh, I just pray um, that you would continue to multiply your resources uh, into their lives, Father, that you would meet their needs and that you would help them to, Father, continue to do all that you've called them to do. And we just thank you for this. And we ask for this in your precious name. Amen. God bless you all. Um, thank you uh, for your faithfulness. And uh, we ask for this in your name. Amen.